praise you. We praise and lift your name on high. Lord, we know that um, you may have come and you did come as, as a man, as someone like us, but yet, Lord, you gave of yourself. You gave um, up your divinity in order to um, relate to our humanity. Father, I pray that um, we will seek you and know you as, as you as you were and as you are. Lord, I pray that our that our hearts will be um, opened up um, to your leading as we think about the events of this week so many years ago and how um, the purpose was elusive for a lot of people, but Lord, you have presented it to us, and we can read and, and know the truth. And so, Father, I pray that the truth will, will be our guide, and, will, and you'll show us the way, Lord. We praise you, and we thank you, and we lift you up today. In Jesus' name. Well, as we saw last week, there is waiting and there's waiting, right? Uh, if you want to open your Bibles to the, um, the book of Daniel, there's waiting and there's waiting. There's a difference, of course. Some of you know that there's a vast difference between waiting in the obstetrics ward and waiting outside of oncology. There's a kind of waiting that's just really hard to deal with, and there's a kind of waiting that lives with great anticipation, if you will, of what can be, what will be in the future. And that's really where we are, I think, um, today. All of us wait. We know what it's like to wait. Uh, it's, it's really what life is made of. We do it all the time. We've really got no choice but sometimes to wait. The only question is, how are we going to wait? Uh, in what spirit are we going to wait? Um, with what attitude, with what dream. And that's where we are on Palm Sunday, in a mode of waiting. There's been, they've been waiting a long time for the coming of the Messiah, and now they think that Jesus might in fact be the one that they were waiting for, and they've waited with patience, and now they want to celebrate, and they're looking forward to what God is going to do in, in this Jesus. What they don't know is that before they ever get to Easter, there's going to be a good Friday. And there will be a long, silent wait between. I think that's what we get when we get to the end of the book of Daniel, actually. We get a period of waiting. The last three chapters, Daniel chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12, are full of things that are really just on the, a bit mysterious side. They're hard to, to understand. They leave us with a sense that what we are facing, what we are faced with is really a, a period of waiting. But in the midst of that waiting, Daniel offers us some things I think that we can learn, lessons of great value to teach us how to live the kind of lives that, that really would arrest people's attention. And that really has been the plan, right? That throughout this series, as we've been in the book of Daniel, that that has been the theme these past several weeks. What we've been trying to say, what we've tried to say throughout the whole book is that uh, um, as we've wrestled with these visions that Daniel has seen, as we've wrestled with um, all of that, is that there are, there are people, there's this group, there are folks like you and me who live their lives in such a way that just leaves people absolutely speechless. In Daniel chapter 1, when Daniel is taken from his homeland, he's taken from his family, he's exiled in the king's palace along with uh, three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they begin the process of turning them. The Babylonians begin the process of turning them into Babylonians, taking Jewish culture out, putting Babylonian culture in. When the pressure is on to be drawn in by the culture to submit and to become like the surrounding culture, we learn that the absolute sovereign God of the universe empowers you and me to be faithful in the midst of that. And when we are, when we resolve to be the person that God has called us to be, even in the midst of pressure, people are left speechless. 
You look at this whole book, you wonder how are we to act in our culture today with all the things that are coming down on us. God calls us to be faithful. Chapter 1, Daniel. God empowers us to do that. Chapter 2, when King Nebuchadnezzar, he has this dream and, and it's revealed to him that the kingdom will not last and that in the fact that there's going to be three dominant kingdoms that will, will, will follow him that will not last. When we learn that, that after that there will be a kingdom established by Christ, it's, it's called the church, and that the kingdom will never end, it, 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 it will never lose power. Those of us who have staked our, our lives on the one God in heaven who is the revealer of the future, who's who sent his son to give you and I somebody worth following, when we follow that God and not the latest figure of power or the latest trend or whatever it is, we will literally leave people speechless. In chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar erected this 90-foot statue of himself and in his arrogance he ordered everyone to bow down to that statue, everyone in his kingdom to bow down and to worship that particular image, lest they be thrown into a fiery furnace. And under, even under enormous pressure, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down because they believed that God had the power to deliver them. But here's the statement. He is able to deliver us, O king, but even if he does not, we will not bow down. I love that. I think the world is looking for that kind of a conviction in people. I think the world is asking you and me as believers, all of us as believers in Jesus Christ who claim to follow him, do you have what it takes to live like that, to, to trust me no matter what? And when we stand up and we say, I know what God can do, but even if he doesn't, I will stay faithful to God. I think, that's such a, I think that such a conviction is, is what gets the world's attention. When we dare to be different in the midst of a culture that is totally different than what, what we understand and know to be true, I think that causes people to sit up and take notice. In chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has been in, the, in power for over 30 years, and he's become quite arrogant, if you notice that. He really believes in Nebuchadnezzar. He believes in Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he has forgotten that he's had a little help along the way. Uh, to get where he's at, and he refuses to acknowledge that God alone is sovereign. And so God dethrones him. And the one thing that we learn from Daniel chapter 4 is this, there is a God and we are not him. And this God that we serve is ultimately in charge of everything, and when he is, when he is in the very center of your life, which is where he belongs, God will make you useful, and the people will sit up and take notice and want to know what you have that they need. In chapter 5, we meet Belshazzar. He'd been left in charge of the capital city of Babylonian. Uh, he should have learned something from his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, but he decided that he was greater than God because he profaned that which was reserved for God alone. And the handwriting was on the wall because during the night, Babylon fell to the Persians. You cannot read chapter 5 without coming away wondering and just demonstrating that you believe God is in control. I mean, when you and I live lives of obedience and when, when we make sacred that which is sacred and when we honor that, uh, that which, uh, which honors God, when we honor life, when we honor marriage, when we honor the name of God to na just name a few. When that is your decision, when that's my decision to live like that every single day, that, I believe, arrests people's attention. And like in chapter 6, when we refuse to hide our convictions, like Daniel, who refused to pray to King Darius, who would only pray to the God of uh, the universe, when you live in such a way that you demonstrate character in the public arena, even if it's going to cost you greatly, God will be honored in unexpected places. Chapter 8, when God's people, when the church, not a place, but the people, respond to the injustices and the inhumanity that we see around us in this world by doing whatever little thing that we can do, I think that arrests people's attention. That causes people to sit up and take notice, and that's what causes people to want to say to the church, you know what, we need you. 
We need the church. We see, we've seen that in our lifetime. I know we have. Um, I, I, not at all, I didn't set it up, so was, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. What I, when, when we went down for Katrina and we went down there uh, to, to help with, uh, after the, uh, the, um, the floods in the, the Katrina uh, back in, what, 2007, 2008, when we went down there, the government wasn't responding, nobody was responding, and, and the people, when they said, they actually acknowledged, they said, the people who have really helped us out the most was the church. So that does matter when we do things like that. And I, 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 was, uh, I feel privileged to have been a part of that little thing where they saw that they're here the common ordinary. Our, our, hope and our, our hope really isn't ultimately in our government. It's in the church. And that's, that's what came out of that, I think, for many, many people. To have the church show up. And when, when we believe that God keeps his word, like in, like in Daniel chapter 9, uh, after 70 exile, years of exile, after 70 years of waiting, and Daniel in a vision discovers that Israel let, gets to go home, when we live knowing that God keeps his promises, and we heed his warnings, we set ourselves apart from the rest of the world, all through the book of Daniel, we have tried to say that there are people like us who live their lives in such a way that it just leaves people speechless. They don't know what to do with that, with us, because we don't respond the way that the world responds. We don't do things the way that the world does them. We don't deal with life the way the rest of the world deals with that. And it causes people to step back, step back and just to wonder, you know, what in the world do you have that the rest of us don't? That's the goal, to live a life in such a way that you literally leave people without anything to say. Last week we looked at chapters 10 and 11 in Daniel, and what we saw was a picture of things that are difficult and yet I think profoundly helpful in seeing how to, to live that kind of life. In chapter 10, for example, what we discover is that when you encounter God, it can be just a little overwhelming. I don't know about you, but I feel that way right around this time of year, Easter. It just gets to be a little overwhelming to think about this, to, to actually take that in and to, um, you know, I, I really, you look at how, how um, you look at how our culture has focused on Easter. Do you remember what it was like when you were growing up? What Easter was like? Remember that? It's like everyone, even the pagans, came together to, to, to celebrate. It was an event, and the world knew. Everybody knew what this was about. We don't have that anymore. And that's what makes it kind of overwhelming for me at this time of year, because I, I on purpose... I have to stop and say, this isn't about getting candy. This isn't about having a, a big church service or whatever. It, it isn't all about that. It's about Jesus and, and the hope that we have, the hope that we have in the resurrection. And that, when I start to remind myself of that and I come back to that central point, all of a sudden I just get a little overwhelmed. Because this is big. This is huge. The world needs to know what this is for, what this, is, what this time of year is for. When you think about this in Daniel chapter 10, though, Daniel is face to face with this messenger of God. It's just, uh, I love the, the picture that it is. For three weeks, he, he couldn't even bring himself to, to do even the normal things of life. It was just such an overwhelming encounter with God that, that he was literally left unable to respond in any normal way. I, I, I have to tell you, though, uh, in full confession, I, I, I haven't felt like that enough. Right? But there have been times where you start to think about who God is and it just takes your breath away. It should for us as Christians. But Daniel is so overwhelmed by the encounter. 
but he's literally left unable to respond anymore. Encountering God ha- should have, it, it does have, that, that overwhelming sense. You, you just don't know what to do. You're just left absolutely speechless. You come into this presence of all of a sudden, and, and, you, and you realize, if, at least if you're like me, man, I just don't belong here. And you don't know what to do. And it can happen in such odd times. It can happen in, in different places. It can happen in the midst of worship. It can happen when in, in, in an encounter with somebody else. It can happen in, in a hard time in your life when all of a sudden you recognize the presence of God and you're just literally left without any response. You just don't know what to do. In the midst of an awesome, overwhelming experience, it... it, it In the midst of an awesome, overwhelming experience of God comes something that is an act of God's grace beyond explanation, and it's called peace. It's something that happens in the heart of a believer and has, uh, who has learned about God in such a way that when it makes no sense whatsoever, when life just does not always compute, when it does not seem to ever come together, there is something that occurs that is literally unexplainable. Paul says that there is a peace that passes understanding. Peace. And when the world looks at you, the world looks at me, and they sense that in you there is a calm in the midst of a storm, I bet you, I bet you we're looking. I, you, you, you think about the person that, that, that you identify with that. You've got a picture of somebody in your mind right now. In the midst of a storm, they're just calm. Probably not always us. But because they trust, because they know who God is, what he's capable of, what he came to do, there's this calm in the middle of a storm. But the world doesn't know how you do it when that happens. But it's the power of that awesome God to be able to bring to bear in, 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 in our lives a peacefulness that allows us to live with that which is totally confusing <laughs> or doesn't always compute or doesn't always make sense. And to do it in such a way that an overwhelming awesome God is the one who gets our attention, but he also gets all the credit and he receives all of our praise. Daniel goes on in chapter 11 and it's a confusing kind of chapter. It's really a restatement of chapter 7 and a little bit of a restatement of chapter 2 where one kingdom takes over another. I do invite you to, to read through that. But there's the king of, uh, of the south. Mark that down because you should, if you're going to look at chapter 11, you really want to read chapter 2 and chapter 7 at the same time. But, but, um, but uh, there's this kingdom that takes over. And the king of the south and the king of the north, uh, you got all that, that imagery and there's this, this bunch of this stuff that's going on and a, and a lot of images of battle and of war and it, gets to, it just gets to be a little bit difficult to think about and, and yet what you hear coming out of the chapter is this, trusting God will be necessary. Trusting God is going to be necessary. That there's going to be times where when there's really some hard stuff. That's what Daniel saw in his vision. In chapter 11, he realized that before things were going to get better for his people, they were going to get worse. But isn't that what Paul told Timothy? He said, if you follow Jesus, you can rest assured the one thing that's going, that is going to be true is that you will be persecuted. That's what we're seeing in our nation. Not necessarily our nation, but all, all around us. Christians are beginning to see more persecution now than ever. Well, it's always been happening. It just hasn't always been happening so bluntly in the United States. But if you watch the news, you can see. And if you're not familiar with that, I'd love to, love to share more about that with you later because there's just a number of examples that we can point to where Christianity right now in America is being attacked. But not just that, but you as a Christian will eventually, if you stand up for it. Trusting God will be necessary. 
There's going to be times when there's really hard stuff. That's what Daniel saw in his vision. You realize that before things were going to get better for his people, they were going to get worse. And isn't that what Paul told Timothy? We will be persecuted. But one thing is for certain, when life looks like it's out of control, when nothing seems to make sense with what's going on around us in our world, no matter what goes on in our lives, God has never lost control. God has never lost control. He is always where he belongs. He is right on his throne, and that's where he is supposed to be. God is on the throne. We live with that confidence. We live in that trust that no matter what, God is there on his throne. And the message of Daniel chapter, chapter 11, I think is really clear, that when life does not make sense, do not lose hope, because God wins in the end, always. He will not be defeated. He will not let that happen. God will, God is, God is already won. And so I read Daniel and I recognize that there are some things in our lives that, that really do arrest people's attention. It causes them literally to be left speechless in the presence of believers who are literally and fully awed by God and overwhelmed. It leaves them speechless when, when in uh, the midst of difficult times we trust him anyway because we believe that in the end he wins. When I come to chapter 12, as this conversation comes to its conclusion, I recognize that believing God, in believing God, we are going to be rewarded. Believing in God, because in, in doing that, we are going to be rewarded. The one, that one of the signs of really genuinely following Jesus is simply believing that in the end you win. Look at it, for example, the, the very first verse here. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. You should see that on your screen. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has never happened, or such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. There it is again. But at that time, your people everywhere whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. I like that. I want my name in that book. I want to be among those who are counted, among those who are delivered. It, it matters that your name is in the book. I don't know if I've shared, shared this with you before, but it just came to, popped in my mind when I was thinking about it. I remember several years ago, Susan and I went to a, attended a convention in Denver, Colorado. And uh, we, we, we uh, typically went every year. I had made arrangements, though, beforehand to stay at the Hyatt Regency Hotel for, for, uh, for four days. So we left from Wisconsin to Denver, and, and we got there. Remember that? We're going to stay there for four days. It was one of the hotels uh, that uh, contracted by the convention, convention, and it was right next to the convention center. Real nice place to stay. We got off the plane, took a shuttle to the hotel. We walked in, and I said, you have reservations for two in the Roberts? And she looked at me said, and, and said, I'm sorry, we have no reservations for the Roberts. I said, would you mind looking again? And she looked again, and sure enough, there was no re record of any kind of reservations. Our names weren't in the book. Or, well, actually, they weren't in the computer, but you know what I mean. But it gets worse. I said, but we have reservations. Do you have any rooms available? And she says, I'm sorry, our hotel is booked because of the convention. Here we were, several miles away from home, toting our luggage behind us in the middle of this big city and no place to stay. And I fumbled around through my luggage looking for the piece of paper with our reservations on them and about that time, Bill, the manager, showed up. And he said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave or we're going to have to call the police. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> <laughs> No, Manager Bill said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for the inconvenience. 
He said, we do have a room, but it's way up on the top room, on the top floor. The concierge floor. It had been reserved for some basketball players, but there's a room open. And if you're willing to take that, we'll knock off $10 a day off of your bill, off your room rate, and all of the amenities of the concierge will be included. <laughs> By the way, the amenities included food all day long. <laughs> when we went to the motel, we, we do this every year, and we'd have to go out, we'd buy the groceries because we're cheap, you know. So we'd go out, we'd buy all the groceries and make the sandwiches and all that kind of stuff. We'd store them in a the little, little uh, refrigerator, and we had coolers in our hotel room instead of buying all the expensive food. And we'd get off for pretty good, pretty good thing. And we didn't have to go and buy a bunch of groceries. We, got to, we had food all day long. They had a special room. I mean, you had to have a key, and we had one. We were given one, and there was breakfast, dinner, and supper, and all the snacks you could eat all week. That is awesome, or for four days. Every day, they left a basket of food in our room, and we spent time with the basketball players. I don't know if that's good or not. And all in thanks to Manager Bill. It really makes a difference who's in control of the book. You want to make sure that you know the person who runs the book. When this thing is over, you want to make sure that your name is in the book because that's where he's going to look to see if your name is in there. So one of the things that happens in this chapter, in, in chapter 12 of the book of Daniel, is, is a simple awareness that we are living in a waiting room. I, I'm sorry, it, that's just what it is. We live in a waiting room. Our entire journey is nothing more than sitting and waiting sitting and waiting. Verse number nine says it clearly. The angel says this. He replies, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Daniel, I just don't have any more, more to tell you. <laughs> I, I don't have any more to say. You just wait. Just hang out. Be faithful because that's, be faithful because that's the key. Just go because this is, this is all. It's the only thing that you have left. Just wait. It's awful, isn't it? I hate waiting. Anybody here like waiting? Did you just hate it? Waiting is one of the worst things in the world. Just can't do anything more. Just wait. But we don't wait the same way as other people do, right? And that's the issue. When you get to verse number 12, you get the closing part of what Daniel is told. This, this is what he hears. This is what he hears. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. There's a lot of speculation as to what 1,335 days are. I, I don't know what those days are. I don't know how to interpret that exactly other than to believe that it happens to be the age in which we live. But see, this I do understand. Blessed is the one who waits till the end. He is at, did you hear it? Who is there at the end of the days? Blessed is the one who waits the end. See, starting is not the issue. I've shared this with you in Bible study, and I, I, have, I have several pe people that I looked up to and have, have in my life and, and thought of, um, I mean, I had them on a pedestal. They were people I modeled my life after. There's not a lot, but there's a few of them. Actually, three that I could tell you that were professors of mine who walked away from Christ. One of them is still alive, and I agonized over that. Lived his whole life for Christ, and then at the end he became, I, 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 don't, I don't even recognize this guy. Starting is easy. See, finishing is what's hard. Getting going is not a problem. It's being there when it's all over that matters. I, 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 uh, I got to thinking about this week, and, and his name is, uh, do you remember Joel Kulkuk uh, from, from uh, Lincoln, Illinois? When Susan and I lived in Lincoln, Illinois, I was going to grad school there, and... and um, 
and we had, uh, we, I was also leading a youth ministry there, or, or part of the youth minister team, I should say. Um, and uh, while we were there, there's this, uh, we attended an all-comers uh, junior high track meet. And it was one of those where all the kids in the various schools uh, would come together and that they would have their fun, you know, fun at a track and field event and so on and so forth. Several of the students from our youth group were a part of that, a part of that event. Um, and actually, a lot of the kids in our, in our youth group were from several different schools. And so they were competing against each other. It was kind of fun. But I remember watching one of the, one of the events. It was the 100-meter dash. And I noticed that one of the kids, Joel Kulkuk, um, he was in one of the lanes. So I was pretty excited. He was a good little kid. He was really quick. I thought, man, this kid's got a chance. He was a really, really cool, neat little kid. And, and, and the gun went off, and, and, and there they went. I mean, he's just flying down the track, and, and it looks like he's getting this thing wrapped up. And he gets uh, to the 90-meter mark, and, he, and, and he, a little bit more, and all of a sudden he just walks off the track. And I went over to him, and I said, Joel, Joel, what are you doing? He says, what? what? It's not done? It's not done? I said, no, no, you, you got like about 10 minutes, 10 meters to go. And, and he said, oh, that's okay. And he just walked away. I'm thinking to myself, who does that? I'm thinking to myself, come on. You know, you're, you're that close. And he just, he just like quit. And I couldn't believe that. It isn't starting that matters, it's finishing. And it doesn't matter how many times you come to church. It doesn't matter how many. It, 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 what really matters is that you're there in the end, right? It matters whether or not you finish. But see, we wait. We live in anticipation that there is a finish. And at the finish, that there's something worth waiting for. Because what, we understand that we wait for God because God is worth waiting on. He's worth waiting for. We understand that we wait because we trust in the one, the only one who can make a difference. We wait because the only person in the entire universe that can fix it is the one who asks us to wait. And so we wait. We live in this incredible anticipation that something is coming. It's Palm Sunday. We're waiting. It's a great day. Uh, we, we know what's around the corner. We know the end of the story. We know that a week from now we get to celebrate resurrection. But we also know this, that before we can ever be in, at Easter, before there can ever be an Easter, there's got to be a Good Friday. Before you can ever celebrate the new life of Sunday morning, you've got to go through Friday night. And my guess is that probably most of us, at least some of us, know what that's like. You know that how bad that Friday hurts. You know what it's like to live through the silence of Saturday and wonder where God went. You know. But the good news is, and we all know it, Sunday is a coming. It's coming. There will be a resurrection. And that resurrection will change your life. But that's what we do, isn't it? We live in the anticipation of those who understand what it means to place your hope, to place your trust in Jesus Christ. To know what it means to live in the darkness of Friday because you've already read the end of the story and you know that Sunday is coming. And he invites each and every one of us to that. He, we are invited to an awesome, sometimes overwhelming God who gives peace in the midst of difficult circumstances because we know that in Jesus there is no place else to turn. And our God, who is an awesome God, is worth waiting for. Because he is going to be the only one standing in the end. And so we're invited to know him. We're invited to place our trust in him. And to turn to him when everything else looks like it's falling apart. Let's pray together.
God, we want to thank you for Jesus. Mm, so over, utterly, over, incredibly overwhelming is he. Beyond what we could even imagine. And Father, today we trust him. We place our faith in him because we know, we know that he alone has the answers to our life. And maybe it's Friday night now for some of us. Bring us to Sunday. Help us to see the light of resurrection. We pray this in Jesus' name. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. We worship you in Jesus' name. We trust you in Jesus' name. And we share in this supper today in Jesus' name, highlighting the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that we have because of him. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful, his name is wonderful, Jesus our Lord. He is the mighty King, master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is he. Bow down before him, love and adore him. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. Shepherd, the rock of all ages, almighty God is he. 
bow down before him, love and adore him. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. You ever just feel that way though? I'm feeling that way. I don't know if it's just getting older or what, but every it just seems like it seems harder and harder to live as a Christian, doesn't it? You kind of look at some of the things that are going on around us and you think, well, man. Maybe not feel that way? It's like, wow. You ever get, you ever, it just kind of flashes in your mind. You ever think, man, is it really worth it? Who's, who's not thought that way? I mean, I, I mean I, I'm not saying that you dwell on it. I'm just saying that it just flashes through and goes, why am I doing this? Maybe not thought that way? Well, it hasn't kind of scanned across the lens really quick? Oh, it's worth it though, right? But that's what the devil wants us to think. And the great news about Easter is the devil thought he took care of it. And yet God had a different plan. Um, just to kind of go off with something that Susan said this morning that I think is really, sorry, I don't have my, yes, I do. I have my mic on. Something that Susan said earlier today when we were, when we were doing it. Jesus, I love the way that Philippians chapter 2 talks about it, set aside his deity. Set it aside. Became a man or entered into our world as a man. And died on the cross for you and me. Uh, went, went to his death and it says even death on a cross. I love that. The picture of that. And so the interesting thing is that the, the Philippian, uh, the writer of the Philippians, Paul, says that our, our attitude, that's the way he begins that chapter. Chapter 2, verse 5. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but took on the nature of a servant. Our attitude should be the same. We miss Easter. We hope that that's, that's what, that's what I, we ought to aspire to do, is to have the attitude the same as Christ. A um, couple of things that are going on this uh, Friday. We have a Good Friday service. It starts at 5.30. Uh, meal to follow. Typically, the Good Friday service is uh, focused mainly upon just... Uh, Kind of, kind of wrapping our heads around the Easter, what's coming, again, and focusing on, you know, there's got to be a Good Friday before we can get to Easter, right? Um, so usually a brief service, half hour, 45 minutes. Um, Susan and I, then and and I, and our family, we we want to um, bring a meal um, that is our, our gift to you. Um, so that meal will will take place uh, following that service. Um, and so we want. We hope that you can be there. If you choose, uh, if you want to let us know that you're, if you're going to be there, or, or if you can't make it, that's that would help us maybe a little bit in terms of. I don't know. We'll probably make enough for an army anyway, I, so it may not be a big deal. Five thirty is the is the service, and then following that will be the meal. Yep. So. Yep. You can bring. Yeah, I I know that. That somebody said, uh, somebody says, oh, we, but we want to bring in. They, they twisted our arms and we said, oh, go ahead, bring a dessert if that's what you want to do. But we got everything else, okay? I've been dealing with tendonitis. You twisted my arm so hard. So anyway, that's, uh, that's coming up. Um, photos today? Sure. If you haven't gotten your photos taken, have you guys gotten take, taken? Have you guys? Anybody not? You did? Oh, you didn't? Hey, take, take, if you haven't got it done for our directory, and Robin is, is helping, helping us with that, we'd love to have you do that. Did you take yours? Grindles? We just want to know who to throw the targets at. Judy, did you get yours taken? All right, Sherry? Okay. No pressure if you haven't. Cara? You didn't, huh? Okay. 
Mm. Okay. So anyway, um, she's she's ready, and you're it, you're available if you want to do that. And it doesn't have to be today. If it has to be today, okay. Um, if you can do that, please do that. Um, other than that, Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, April 9th, next Sunday, a week from today, seven days from today, we are going to have a muffins and donuts at 9:30. Um, you can actually, uh, we'll still meet. We'll have a fairly loose Bible study time. Um, I don't know. We might get into something heavy. Who knows? But um, but uh, so for the rest of you who are used to coming here at nine, you can come in. And but we'll have muffins and donuts. So everybody likes muff- muffins and donuts. So uh, and of course the Easter service starting then just after that. The chosen series is not going to um, is not going to be. Uh, we're not going to do that until Friday the fourteenth, which is my sister's birthday. So we should all come. Um, and we're gonna we're we're of the last few of of this of the season two. Um, then one other one last thing: Cornerstone Chili Dinner, the twenty first Friday, the twenty first from four to eight. Um, just for Cornerstone, it's a fundraiser for them, but also it's good and it's good fellowship. And um, anyway, so just some things to be thinking about. You should have them in your in your I bulletin. Just I feel it's very critical. Everybody go vote on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. There's some some important decisions. Yep. 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 So get out and vote. Yep. Yes. Oh, we can't have praises. We only want bad news. <laughs> I almost lost my brother a week ago. Um, John? Down in Florida. Yeah. He, um, uh, he, he was having jaw and neck pain, and he's got crummy teeth. Um, and thought he had a rotten tooth, and it was getting worse and worse. His lethargy, weakness, um, pain. And um, finally, because he's on Vegetarian, um, didn't know if he could go down in Florida and have it paid for, he's on a fixed income. Anyway, his friend helped him navigate that system. He went into ER and immediately um, was taken into surgery to have two stints put in. Oh, he had and come to find out his enzymes were out of control, and he um, He had blockage, so it had nothing to do with his teeth, which probably didn't help any. Wow. So did he have open heart, or did he have uh, angioplasty? Oh yeah, you said that. Sorry. So did you hear all that? So, so thank God for toothaches. <laughs> so that's good news. Yep. So, yeah, if you're, if you're not, not in a hurry to go someplace or you don't have any place to go for Easter or you just you don't mind getting stuck with our family, um, you can stick around. But let us know so that we have enough.
All right. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this, this moment that we can just focus on you. And uh, that's literally what we ought to do every Sunday. And, but we thank you for the events of this year. I, I pray that over again you would, over, over and over again this, uh, this week, that you would overwhelm us with your presence, that we would just be standing literally in awe of you and of your plans and what you have accomplished through Jesus on the cross. Thank you today as we leave this place. Thank you for the resurrection. We, it is our hope. It is, the, it is what brings us, uh, um, brings us hope. And, and God, I just pray that you would, uh, as we think about that, that you would dismiss us with your blessing. In the midst of that, I pray, God, that you would cause us to, that you allow us to live in such a way that the people around us are, are standing up and taking notice. That you would, we thank you for the series in Daniel that just caused, that, that challenges us to live differently than the world is. And really that different really is to be faithful to you. So dismiss us with your blessing. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. mother and her daughter's project their feet they're out on the road where he lived they were completely lost seven year old mother and and her daughter and you know how bad it was and they decided to come over here and watch they left the car down at newton they couldn't figure out how to get back there so that we come along and i rolled my window down they said hey we don't know where our car is so they're in the meantime thank goodness getting on to the police and we said just we'll take you and just praise that we come along they would never fall for the purpose. yeah wow so sad I mean. so God is always in the right place at the right time yeah cool thank you for that all right have a good week